So we're in our series of um, looking at 1 Thessalonians. We've already had three. We've had Steve looking at the power of example. And uh, last week, Steve was looking at the fact that we are called and not driven. And uh, how there are idols in our life of things like greed, flattery, and enjoying a little bit of glory. So that's the background. If you've been away or missed it, do listen to it on the uh, website if you can. So today, we're looking at the subject of loving and joy. Hooray! Oh, that's good. <laughs> I thought I'd have to kind of warm you up. No, no. So let's, uh, let's start by going to the Word of God. Always the best and most important place to go. So let's go to the book of 1 Thessalonians. Is that me? Let's go to the book of 1 Thessalonians and chapter 2. And we're going to start at verse 17. And we're just going to run through to the end of chapter 3. A little bit complicated, so if you get a bit lost, don't panic, just try and hang in the best that you can. So, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 17. And this is Paul speaking to a church that he planted and that he set up, may only been with them literally a few days before he was forced to leave them. And so this is Paul speaking. He says this, verse 17. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person but not in heart, we endeavoured the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. But what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore... When we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind in Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved in these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now, Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you. For this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live if we are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving can we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ Direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. Amen. Just, um, I'm not going to pick on anyone, or am I? No. I'm not going to... How many people have, have prayed about this morning's meeting? Maybe a prayer meeting yesterday morning, 
growth group this morning, early, during the week. Yeah? Yes? Okay. Thank you. Firstly, thank you. Secondly, what have you prayed for? Shout it out. I prayed for me. <laughs> now that is a prayer of faith and miracle. Thank you. What else have you prayed for? Sense of the Holy Spirit amongst us. For salvation. The Lord will talk through me, okay. Healing. So, fresh encounter with God. Wow. I'm just thinking Fred Naris is not here today. Um, Fred, one of, one of the you know, key people that has been part of this church for many years. I just wonder how he'd feel knowing that people had gathered this morning together, believing for salvation, believing for a move of the Holy Spirit, believing for healing, believing for encounters with God. Wouldn't that have thrilled his heart? Dear Fred, that thrilled his heart. What a thrill. This is, this is what Paul, I think, was, was sensing. You know, he loved the body. He loved the church family. Are we a people of faith? I mean, let, I mean let's, let's, let's have some fun. Are we a people of faith? Uh, we're, we're trying as best we can. Uh, um, are we weak and frail? Yes. It goes to prove that anything that happens this morning, which is good and blesses us, is from the heart of God. Not because I'm great or because David led worship sensitively. It's all because of Jesus. It's because he'll be with us when we leave. It's him moving by his Holy Spirit. So even as I share, let's be open to healing. Let's be open to having that fresh encounter with Jesus. My goodness, that's what I want. A fresh encounter with Jesus. I am contentedly dissatisfied with my faith. I hope that's true for most of us. You can see in this passage that relationship is so core. Uh, and the relationship was with the body. Paul wasn't writing here to lots of individuals. He was writing to a people, a people of God. And this is my heart, I believe, and God's heart, that he doesn't want a group of spiritual individuals who just, it's me and Jesus, but we're a body who can love one another, serve one another, and as we've heard from Maureen, we can be vulnerable with one another as well. So I want to look at, very briefly, five aspects of our relationship with God. And the first one is that our relationships in God are deep and they're very real. We can see Paul was a man who was instrumental in birthing this church, and yet he was torn away from them, and he was eager to be with them. He longed to see them face to face. He was a man who was full of passion for the people of God. He was yearning for them. He wasn't like some love-struck teenager in love with a pop star. He had a longing and a deep yearning for the people of God. Paul's love was fueled by that by, by what God had done amongst them as a people. And he was passionate to see them grow and to become established in his faith. How wonderful to have leaders that are like that. And I believe, by the grace of God, that's what we have here. Leaders who want to see us established and grown. Secondly, it's re relationships in God can be contested. Now in verse 18, we see here, and it's very clear from the Bible, it says that Satan contested... Um, Paul developing relationships with this fledgling church. He was trying to keep them away. Now, Satan is also known as the devil. He's known as the enemy. And uh, 
he was hindering Paul through the work of men. So I want to very briefly talk about the devil. Okay? I prefer to talk about Jesus, but we need to be true to the word. Do you ever hear Christians like me say things like, devil's been having a bit of a go this week, had a bit of a tough time, devil's been having a bit of a go. Well, I think we just need to be careful and sensitive as, as we look at the destruction that's around us. You know, we've heard of the most appalling things this week, and how do you equate that? And as David so wisely said, it just comes back to the cross, and that's not mean glib or flippant, that is what we believe. You know, there is a lot of bad stuff in this world, there's sin, it's the selfishness in the world working itself out, there's pain, there's grief, there's certainly plenty of brokenness, and there's death. But when we think about the Satan, when we think about the enemy, I believe it's so important to get back to biblical truth and see what the Word of God says about it. Firstly, the devil is a created being. Okay? He's real and he's harmful, but he can only operate within the boundaries that God set. Now that can kind of freak us out a bit, and we could talk more about that, but I don't want to cause confusion. But he can only work within the boundaries set by God. And if you look at the book of Revelation, which is the bit at the back, you'll find out what happens to him in the end. Hallelujah. That's, that's kind of good news. Now, the book, the book of Job shows us that Satan's power is real and it's harmful. Um, and I've lost my notes. This always happens, doesn't it? <laughs> um, so, so his power is real, and we see that from the word, but he can only work within the boundaries set by God. But we must be true to the scripture, and we can see here that it says in 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 18, it says, Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. So what does Paul go on to do? Does he start, well, I'm going to start expounding on, on spiritual welfare. I'm going to start telling the devil where to go. No, he doesn't. What does he do? He starts extolling the glorious approach of the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he celebrates with joy God's people and, and their faithfulness. Throughout the passage, Paul is real. He's real about the restraints, real about the frustrations and the causes of that. But rather than declaring a war against the enemy, he focuses on Jesus and Jesus alone. Jesus' ultimate victory. And it's from that practical, that reality, that Paul takes practical steps to try and stay in contact with the church, i.e. in sending Timothy. I've found a, a little trick. I, I don't know if you've ever encountered bad drivers. Um, <laughs> no. no. I'm, I'm certainly not one. Um, <laughs> As I waved to Malcolm, hello, Malcolm. <laughs> no, I, I've made one mistake this week. I pulled out in front of someone I didn't mean to, and I did apologise. Um, so I have made a mistake this year. But, but I've, I've, I've got this little trick. Sometimes someone cuts you up, someone pulls out, someone does this, someone parks across your driveway. <sighs> Peace. <laughs> so what I've done now is I've, I've, I've got into this little routine, whereas when that's building up, rather than getting quite miserable and stroppy, which I'm quite able to do, I start, I know it comes as a shock, Margaret, but 
I, I have trained myself, and this might be wooden and robotic, and I'm sorry if it's not spiritual, but I've trained myself to think about who God is. That guy cut in front of me. <clears throat> but Father, I want to thank you that you are almighty. You are beautiful. Let's go through the alphabet. You were crucified. You're my deliverer. You're eternal. You are faithful. You are great. You are holy. You are invisible. You are Jesus. And it sounds like I do it as a bit of a rope, but then sometimes just stop on one word. You are all-knowing. Wow. You know, Father, I'd like to punch that person's lights out, but Jesus, you, you died for them. You love them. They are going to an eternal destiny of agony and pain and separation from the presence of God. Lord, save them. Thank you for bringing that person across my path. <laughs> it's, it's, have, I, have, I missed, have I done something, said something? You but but on, a, on a serious point, when, when the troubles, when the struggles come, the difficulties come, let's, let's train ourselves to focus on Jesus. Um, it, it's not, oh, let's just all hold hands and throw flowers and skip along the road and isn't life wonderful? No, life is really tough. Paul was being hindered by the enemy himself. And yet he focuses on Jesus. So important. Thirdly, relationships of God can develop our faith and our growth. Are you encouraged? Are you encouraged by the growth that we're seeing in Beacon? Not just numerically, but in, in our lives as um, we seek with God's grace to deal with some of the challenges he puts before us. In chapter 3 and verse 5, it says this. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer... I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor was in vain. Paul wasn't saying, had any good miracles? Had any good outpourings of the Spirit I could put in my latest book? And he wrote a few. <laughs> he, wasn't, he wasn't interested in that sense in the power and the anointed. He wanted to know about their faith. This was, what, this was what he wanted to know. And he was concerned that the enemy had knocked them off course. Now, this kind of threw me. I thought, hang on, this is the Apostle Paul, you know, the great Apostle Paul. And he's, he has put this church in place. And yet he's concerned that despite him putting the church in place, they could be tempted and pulled away. Now, you've got to be careful now using the phrase, so how much more should we be careful? But just gently, when things are... Things are tough, but we're together. Let's just continue, continue to keep humbly walking with Jesus. Humbly loving one another so that we don't get knocked off course. It's been alluded to this morning. You know, you cannot put on the news or turn on your Twitter feed or whatever it is these days without seeing that there are massive changes going on in this world and in our country. We're seeing leadership changes, we're seeing great shakings, we're seeing results of elections or ballots that we may agree with or disagree with. Now, there's an awful lot of shaking. There's an awful lot of shaking going on. <laughs> but when that happens, what happens? Do we fall apart? Or do we stand faithfully knowing that Jesus is at the helm? It's okay, I mean... You know, I was with Steve the morning after the vote and we were talking about different options and, you know, I was probably getting a bit flustered about things, but kind of as time went on, you're saying, I don't understand this, but Jesus knows what he's doing. 
this is going, I just, but Jesus knows what he's doing. I just get, just had this sense, you know what, Jesus is at the helm. He is at the helm. And if you look, if you go onto a big, massive oil tanker these days, they don't have a massive wheel anymore. They have a tiny little switch. They're steering the whole, our Jesus, in the midst of it all, can to our human eyes be so insignificant, just not seen, but there he is. Guiding. He is the ruler, the master, the king. He is the one who is guiding us and leading us. How do we do church? Well, we've seen a lot of changes in how we do church from the good old 70s. Trust and obey. Yes. We've seen a lot of changes. Here's the bad news for people like me. We're going to see an awful lot more changes in the next 20, 25 years on how we do church. A lot of changes. But in that, am I going to long for the glory days of the Downs Bible Week? Or am I going to keep pressing into Jesus? Lord, I want more of you. Where are you going? I'm going to follow you. When I was reading my notes back, I thought, pressing into Jesus. That's the thing a politician would say. You go, oh yeah, Julian, pressing into Jesus. Yeah, good thing. But what on earth does that mean? Just know him. Just chat to him when you're driving. <laughs> in amongst the expletives. But... <laughs> Just talk to him. Think on him when you're lying in bed, especially when you can't sleep. Walking around the garden, doing the washing up. Just let your mind drift to him, as Steve and as others have said. Where does your mind go when it's in neutral? I don't always like where mind goes, but try and again learn to think on who God is. Not just who he is, but also the relationship that he wants to have. The danger for people like me is I can get excited about the names of God, I can study the person of God, but then I can miss just sitting quietly and going, well, Father, there you are. Wow, this is who you are. So, we're encouraged by the growth we see in the family of churches we're part of. As you know, we're part of a group of churches called Relational Mission. But, let's be real, you know, this year we've seen a, an international church plant hasn't taken off the ground and we've seen another church within relational mission that's folded now this is rea reality it's disappointing but we continue to believe that jesus christ is building his church friends do not be shaken it is god who is at work john 15 tells us that that we will bear fruit and we will be pruned so hold that there but we only want to build on the foundations godly foundations biblical foundations jesus foundations that's the way the church is built what practical shape it takes i don't really have very much idea but i also believe that we're in a season where god is testing our foundations both individually and corporately I mean, I know everyone will put their hand up, but anyone felt sort of a bit of a shaking the last few months? Just, oh, I really believe that, but oh my goodness. And I'm very, I'm, I'm very strong in that area. And now, yeah. I've never been in a proper earthquake, but I would imagine that even what you're standing on is wobbling. It's, it's, it's not nice. We are being challenged. The soundness of our foundations are being challenged. I loved it when... Talk about going to Wimmerow Gardens. I almost want to go in there with all the holes and the ditches and the mud because 
That represents where some of our lives are at the minute. You know, what was quite nice grass and a few flowers in Wimmero Gardens has gone. Now it's muds and hold. I thought, well, you're going to build a nice garden. What are you playing at? They're dealing with the foundations. Then it will drain properly. Then there will be power to supply all the beautiful new lights. Then they'll have the right soil for the different plants. That's why it's all a bit messy and a bit muddy for some of us at the minute because God is dealing with our foundations. It's a time of shaking. (laughs) Are we going to allow the Holy Spirit as he brings those pains and those griefs and those hurts to the surface? Are we going to allow him to deal with those? But also, am I going to allow him to deal with my bad attitude, my selfishness? I can't change me. Only Jesus can change me. Only Jesus can change us when we come to him willingly. Lord, just change me. Deal with me. You know, the way it's been treated this week has been really tough. But it also reveals, unfortunately, what's in your heart at the time, doesn't it? And it isn't very nice. But it talks, doesn't it? It talks about about the spirit and and silver being heated seven times. Do you remember that? As silver is heated seven times, so the word of the Lord is pure. I believe sometimes the Lord heats things up so much that all the scum and rubbish comes to the top. My resentment, my bitterness, my desire for whatever. And rather than sitting in that, it's Lord, just scoop it off. I can't be dealing with it. I just can't, Lord, scoop it off. And it's, and it's tough and it costs. 1 Thessalonians 3 verse 6. But now Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us. These are people who were in relationship. Paul and Timothy were in relationship. They were in relationship with their church. And as I mentioned earlier, we're in relationship with um, relational mission. Whoopsie. Sold. (laughs) Yes, no, don't start. So we've got this book. We've got them at the back, Relational Mission book. Really helpful. If you're into the computer and stuff, this is like a rough Google Earth view of where we are placed as a church and kind of the heart of our leaders and those who are giving support to our leaders. Um, Very helpful with testimonies and stories about what's going on in churches that we are part of. So I really recommend that you have a good look at that. It's four pounds very well, very well spent. But then, but then let me also tell you a practical thing. When that book was first recommended, do you know my first reaction? Was it A, yes, excellent, awesome, great, this is really encouraging, or was it, oh, not another blooming thing I've got to do? I've got to be honest, it was, it was this one. I'm sorry, I'm just, just being honest, because I think Jesus likes a bit of honesty. I'm not saying we're not, but I came to it about two weeks later when, and I found it very helpful. So let me encourage you just to have a little look um, because I think it does give quite a helpful blueprint for where we're going and for where we've been. Any Diana Ross fans in the building? Didn't expect that to be my next line, did you? Do you remember the song, Do You Know Where You're Going To? June, would you like to come to the front and sing? (laughs) Oh, 
hang on, we've got the Supremes here. <laughs> Don't worry, I wouldn't do it to you. Or would I? Oh, I would. That's only because I love you. <laughs> I could mention other pop groups, but that might not be so appropriate. But she sang a song. She said, do you know where you're going to? Do you like the things that life is showing you? Where are you going to? Do you know? And you've got a really nice rift. Well, do you? <laughs> do you know where you're going to? You know, the old preacher used to say, if you die tonight, well, not necessarily very helpful in this culture, but it's still a pretty fair question. Do you know where you're going to? <laughs> As Christians, we believe that when this mortal, this, this, this earthly shell life finishes, that we will be transferred into the awesome presence of God. Please don't tell me to rest in peace. I want to get with Jesus and thrill and create and enjoy um, oh yeah, <laughs> whatever that format that takes. And we'll be looking at that briefly in November and December. But if you've never asked Jesus Christ to be Lord of your life, if you've never said, Lord, I've gone my own way, and you know what, I'm really sorry for the bad things I've done, I'm now going to go with you, that's called repentance, turning around, then can I invite you, as Steve said, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart, please, today, you can know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour. But when we become part of, when we become a Christian, I believe God adds us to his family. And, and we've looked at this many times recently, but God is relationship. He is God the Father, Jesus the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three persons, yet one. <laughs> Complete mystery, but he is God. Three persons and yet one. God is relationship in his core essence of love and submission within the Godhead. And God has then put us in the family to reflect that. And there are no independent Christians in his family. And I'm going to leave out the three-line rants that I put in after that. But please, if Jesus Christ is your Lord and Saviour, please be added to his church. It may not be this one. This may not be comfortable for you. If not, talk to the chaps. They will happily introduce you to really good brothers and sisters who run other churches in the local area. It's just really important to be part of God's family and to be part of his, be part of his body. Now, being part of the body has got one downside. It's full of people like me. Okay, that's the downside. That's why we have to learn to love one another. That's why God puts people like me in here. Because... I'm failed, I'm fallen, but I'm also forgiven. It's true for each one of us that know Jesus. We're failed, we're fallen, but we are forgiven by our wonderful Jesus. And we are being transformed from one degree of glory into another. Let me encourage you to humble yourself and grow by being added to the church. Matthew 28, Jesus said, Go ye into all the world and make lots of Christians. Oh, okay. Uh, perhaps I read the wrong translation. Jesus said, go into all the world and make Christians. Oh dear, I got this wrong. Shall I carry this on like I'm really patronizing? He, he, he didn't say go and make Christians. He said, go and make disciples. 
And yet people like me remain as Christians because I want to be a Christian on my terms. Don't disciple me. <laughs> Don't tell me what to do. Jesus wants us to be disciples. Here's a very simple question. Am I a disciple? Am I positioning myself to be a disciple? Do I trust brothers and sisters to speak into my life, to encourage me, to correct me, and to challenge me? Little story. Oh, well, I was going to say a story against myself, but we're out of time. No. A story against myself about six, seven years ago when we were at Beacon. I was leading worship, and I thought, we need to do this. So I did it, and it was wrong. And uh, David, John, and Steve very lovingly had a word, took me to one side and said, actually, that wasn't very helpful. So immediately you get all defensive. Oh, yes, but you know. But deep, deep down I knew that they were right. Now that really hurt because we'd only been in the church about a year and they needed to know what amazing healing ministry I'd had before and how I'd gone around with Ian Andrews and they needed to know how important I was. But actually I had to humble myself because they were right, because they loved the body more than hurting my feelings. And that is part of being a disciple. Steve loves me enough to put his arm around me and go, mate, you sure about that? That is such a comfort to me. That is such a comfort. And I believe if we're going to really, really move into being more deeper church, then we need more of that accountability to one another. Not holding each other's front door keys and the abuses that some of us had in the 70s, but just allowing people to speak into our lives. Not starting with, in love, brother, can I just tell you? Someone once came up to me years ago after I did worship and said, Julian, can I encourage you in love? I said, yes. They said, it was too loud this morning and walked out. <laughs> Thanks for that. But it is tough because I don't like being told that I'm wrong. I want everyone to love me. I think every preacher standing at the front for the last six months has said, I want everyone to like me, but if I'm going to learn, if I'm going to grow, then I need to be trained. And it's not easy, but we do it because we love Jesus. Finally, God, godly relationships matter, whatever the circumstances. It's very hot and sweaty today. Paul and this young church, you know, they faced genuine, difficult opposition and affliction. And yet Paul is absolutely thrilled that they are holding fast to the Lord. He's full of concerns, but when we look at uh, verse 11, chapter 3, verse 11, we see this. We see Paul just gets caught up with it all, and he says, Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all of his saints. Now Paul's trying to give them direction, trying to give them encouragement, and then he just gets overwhelmed with Jesus. He gets overwhelmed with the, with the final fulfillment of all that Jesus has done and all that he wants to achieve. Okay, here's one for the 55 plus. Anyone 55 plus? Don't be shy. Yes, okay. <laughs> 
Do you remember the hymn writer? You can go to sleep, Sarah, it's fine. <laughs> Just have a sleep now. <laughs> yeah, Ivan's asleep already. So. But the hymn writer, Joachim Neander. Do you remember him? Great man. Do you remember the song, remember the song Eileen? You'll know the song. Here's the verse. Here's the line. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. Here's the whole verse. So if, if you're under 45, you won't get this. So, sorry. But for us oldies, praise to the Lord who doth prosper thy work and defend thee. Surely his goodness and mercy here daily attend thee. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do if with his love he befriend thee. I've got a challenge for the baby boomers in this church. Similar to what I said to Janet earlier, and maybe a bit of that heart came across. You're not finished. It's not the end. You have got a lot of work to do. If you're 70 plus, ponder anew what the Almighty can do. God can do mighty and great things through older people. Mighty and great things. Look at Anna, the prophetess. Look at Caiaphas, look at others. In the Bible, you will see men and women of God who are older, but it's still God has something new for you. I think part of that is befriending, loving, helping, assisting, sharing wisdom with younger people who are coming through. We're in a Facebook generation, and somehow we need to encourage these young people to have wisdom and to know what it is to rest in God to spend time waiting on the Lord, not waiting for the text to bleep. I know a bit of me is in that, but ponder anew what the Almighty can do. You wake up tonight, you can't get back to sleep, just think about that. My friends, this is our God. He is the one who sets leaders over us, who have a passion and a joy for knowing that God is working in us. Isn't that great? This is our God who, despite all the opposition, and I don't say this flippantly, he is the one who is ultimately in control. And, and we've got to be real, but he is. This is our God. He's the one who invites us to be part of, our church, of, the, of his church family. And he is the God who, no matter what the circumstances, is Lord of this fallen world. The Bible tells us of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end of the increase of his government and peace, there will, no, there will be no end. Do you know Jesus as your Lord and Saviour? You can know him right now. Are you willing to become a disciple, to be challenged, to go and speak to Steve and John and David and say, can you speak into my life? Can you help me? Can you help me work through these things? How can I serve? Steve, you want to come and join us? Just want to spend a couple of minutes reflecting. Um, want to hold what um, we shared earlier about what we've been praying for up to this morning. We've been praying for a move of God's Holy Spirit amongst us. We've been praying for healing. We've been praying for that fresh encounter with Jesus. So I encourage you, if you want to, to stand. If you're more comfortable sitting, that's fine. But this is the thing. Jesus, I believe, wants to take us from one degree 
of glory to another. And I believe just across this room, God desires to equip and reignite that desire for him. And if you've already rejected what I've just said, that's okay. But just reflect on that in the coming days. We have a God who desires to equip us, commission us, and send us. I also, it's interesting what Maureen said actually, but I've written down that I, I believe that as part of a wider family, we're connected to other churches. We've been praying for the church plant at Nil Lil. We've been praying for the church plant at Helsinki. The guys were here um, a couple of weeks ago, which was great. I believe that some of us need to go. We need to go and visit Lil. And I think some of you older people, older people, my dear friends who I love dearly, maybe it's time to get on that plane, go to Helsinki and encourage our brothers and sisters. Maybe learn how to use Skype and speak to them and encourage them. You see, if it's impossible to do, then it must be God. Just close your eyes and imagine someone in this church going to Helsinki and encouraging those precious brothers and sisters. It's impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. David and Margaret and John and Joe, they went to Lille for the day on the train via Brussels, if I remember rightly. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Let us encourage our brothers. Let's sow what we have. If you go to the Saturday morning prayer meeting, you pray faithfully. Maybe you should go to Helsinki and pray with them one Saturday morning. Bless them. Bless them. Ask Barry and Maureen how you can encourage them. Jesus is at the helm. I believe for a few folk this morning, he just wants to remind you, he is at the helm. Let him take back control of that little knob and lead you and guide you. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Lord, would you move by the power of your spirit across us as your church, releasing and equipping, giving fresh vision. Ponder anew what the Almighty can do. One who can release resources, one who can release gifting. Lord Jesus, in it all, we pray that people in Hearn Bay, people locally, would have an encounter with Jesus Christ. That men, women, young people and children would have an authentic encounter with Jesus. Lord, that you would stir hearts and put, make the contacts and the divine appointments and all of that, Father. Lord Jesus, we look to move to a bigger building. We pray it will be filled with people who have met with Jesus for the very first time, thrilled at who he is. The Bible tells us Jesus went about doing good, healing all those who are oppressed of the enemy. 
There's certainly plenty of oppression around these days. We've also been praying for healing. So, Father, just have your way, Lord. What do you want to do? If there's someone on your heart and you want to go and pray for them now, please do. If you, if you just want to ask them first, you know, just to plonk your hands on someone. But We've got a ministry team as well who will be standing at the back. Very happy to pray with people during coffee. Jesus is very comfortable being prayed to while people are having coffee and putting chairs away, as he is when the music is beautiful. Because this is our God. He doesn't do it our way. Lord, I pray as each person drinks their cup of coffee today, that they would drink in refreshment from you. Pray for the children, Lord, that as they scurry for the biscuits, it will be like they're devouring the word. Father, again, we pray for those children out the back there. Lord, we pray that they would have authentic encounters with the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, you said you love little children. Lord, raise up men and women of God amongst them, yes. But firstly, Lord, may they come to know you. So just let people go now. If you want to go and have coffee, that's fantastic. I encourage you to pray for one another. Just um, It was mentioned, I think it was Margaret mentioned when we were praying beforehand that just in fellowshipping together, you know, there was something good about fellowship together and, and I just 